everybody. Thanks for listening to the Coach Fury podcast. For those that don't know me, I am Steve, Coach Fury Holliner. I'm a New York City, Brooklyn-based fitness trainer and educator. Uh, in addition to online, personal, and semi-private training and teaching classes, uh, I also teach for the RKC, DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training, Original Strength, and I'm a mentor in the group Strength Faction. Uh, you are listening to episode Lucky 13. I'm super excited for my next guest. I'm going to tell a little story right now that may or may not embarrass her. <laughs> so I had taught an original strength course assisted with Tim Anderson in Albany. And on the train ride home, I had one of those trainers will know this where you have, and I'm sure Emily's had these uh, types of sessions where all of a sudden a week happens where all of your sessions start canceling on you. And you're like, holy crap, like, this person's on vacation, this person got fired, this person's sick, and you're like, I'm going to make almost zero money. And I was on this high from teaching this course with Tim, had so much fun, and I'm like, how am I not training anybody when I get back home? So I had a little panic attack. And in that panic attack, I basically came up with a business model that involved my next guest and also emailed Mark Fisher at Mark Fisher Fitness. And... Mark got there first. My next guest is one of the only people that I would consider opening a shop with, and her name is Emily C. She's an acupuncturist, uh, a dear friend, former co-worker at Five Points Academy, and a yoga instructor. Uh, Emily, say hi to everybody, and if I miss something, tell, tell them something about yourself. Hey, guys. Um, I don't think you missed anything. I think that's pretty much everything that I do in my life besides my dog. <laughs> yeah, your dog's awesome. Tell them what kind of dog you have. I have a Shiba Inu. And She's uh, 14 months. Her name is Shopao. If you don't know what that means, it's a steamed bun. <laughs> and she has her own Instagram account, yeah? She does. Shopao Shiba Inu if people are interested in following her. <laughs> yeah, make that dog insta-famous. She's super cute. Um, so Emily and I met at Five Points Academy. Uh, she was learning acupuncture at the time, and we would both take um, uh, Muay Thai classes. And then for a short time, she actually, we would do like a trainer swap where she would take me through yoga. She's the only person I've done yoga with, um, and I was horrible at it. And I would strength train her, and we would do that on and off. And then just through our time there and even after there, Emily's just one of those people that when I talk to her about a situation or a business model or an idea, she's just one of those great Sharp, uh, straight shooters that I can talk to. She really kind of sees through a lot of the bullshit. For those that listen to the episode with James Newman, pretty much like two of my go-to people are Emily and James in that, in that effect. So uh, I'm super excited to have her on. And Emily, let's kick this off talking about acupuncture because I think there's people that love it and then there's people that are afraid of it and maybe people that have had a bad experience uh, but I do think, I know for myself, my first exposure was at Five Points Academy. I never had it before. And, you know, the initial thing for me was just getting over the fear of the needles, which is odd because I'm covered in tattoos, but it's like <laughs> a different thing. Um, how did you get started? And what was that process like going from finding out about it or maybe having treatments on yourself to, to becoming an acupuncturist? Yeah, so I had a lot of contact with Chinese medicine in general since I was a kid, just because culturally my family is originally from China. Um, so we took Chinese herbs growing up and it always made me feel better really quickly. Um, I didn't know a lot about it. It was just things that my grandma gave me. Um, and I had acupuncture probably the first time as a teenager same thing. I, you know, I didn't really know much about what was going on, but it was really interesting. It worked really well. So I definitely believed in it. Um, and then as I got older, I got into my yoga practice. I became a yoga teacher and just kind of looking at what the end game for my life was going to be career wise. And also just life wise, I kind of started veering through these ideas of, uh, natural health and holistic healing um, just to kind of be more sustainable, especially as somebody who grew up in New York City. And, you know, I'm also someone who plans on living here. Um, it's just difficult to sustain life healthy, <laughs> being healthy here, right? Um, so just trying to find that balance, it, it just seems like I kept going back to these ideas of, you know, using, using natural solutions. Um, so I became really interested in studying Chinese herbs. And in, through studying martial arts, doing Muay Thai and other types of martial arts, 
needing acupuncture and having that interest at the same time, I kind of, it all just kind of came together into the same place. Um, I don't know. I, I was also seeing Paul, the acupuncturist, my yeah. acupuncturist at that time. And um, I started talking to him about learning about herbs and he was like, well, why are you going to just learn about herbs? He's like, you should, you should just go to acupuncture school and learn about herbs. And I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. Paul, Paul was the first person that I had acupuncture with and it was a big eye opener. Like I, I owe that guy a lot, not just, uh, and I get this sense with you as well. It's not just so much what the needles may or may not be doing. Yeah. It's also like the entire demeanor of the experience. Um, Absolutely. You know, I started having, I mean, you helped me with my back trouble on several occasions too. And Paul um, did a lot as well in the beginning. And even when, every now and then when I have like a, a sudden thing, it's just, if you're not available, I hit up Paul. And if Paul's not yeah. available, I hit up you. And it, it, it's... I'm not going to lie. When I left MFF, like Paul was one of those guys that was like, this is probably a good idea. Cause like, you're too stressed. Um, but he's, it's, it's both you and Paul have this demeanor that when you come in, it's like more of a calming thing. And with mm -hmm. a guy from a nickname of fury, um, I find that I need that. But then I also said, you know, I went in thinking like, a, um, almost like from a chiropractor point of view or a masseuse point of view that like, okay, you right. stick needles in the body and that just fix whatever's happening versus the whole bigger picture that both of you present the checking of the pulse. I know I was always weirded out when Paul would be like, let me see your tongue. Uh, <laughs> and he'd be like, are you angry? And I'd be like, my nickname's Fury. Of course I'm angry. <laughs> um, and when did you see... <sighs> I guess let's talk about it this way because uh, I'm sorry to be like sort of going in two directions here because the surprising thing of acupuncture, aside from what you both brought to the table, is I didn't realize it was for so many things. You know, one mm -hmm. of the things I've learned from you is it could be used for uh, women going through menopause. It could be certainly used for sports recovery. It could be used for illness. Um, there's so many purposes for it that I had no idea about. Did you start from more of a fitness point of view or did you start like, you know, uh, injury prevention point of view or did you start more from like, um, is it considered external internal medicine? I'm not even sure how you would. Yeah. So I probably started from a more physical aspect because the first time I got acupuncture as a teenager and my knees were bothering me. So I got my knees okay. treated. So I thought of it for physical ailments, but then, you know, thinking back to growing up, you know, using herbs for sore throat or using cupping for clearing a fever or acupressure for when I was sick, um, you know, there, those ideas were still kind of there in the back of my mind. And as I studied it, realizing that I could use it for stress relief or, um, you know, digestive problems, cycle issues, all of that stuff. Um, and the thing about it is, is that when you think of, you know, here we think of acupuncture as acupuncture and, and, you know, it kind of becomes a little more medical or, you know, sometimes people view it a little more medical. However, we forget that it's part of Chinese medicine. So Chinese medicine is just a, a broader way of looking at it. And in Chinese medicine, you think of health is considered your spiritual health, your emotional health, your work life, your home life. All of these things come into play as well as your physical body, you know, what's going on inside your organs, what's going on inside your nervous system. So, you know, it's just a, a larger picture of it, right? So it's not just your back or your shoulder, Right. And the reason why your back or your shoulder maybe is not getting better on your own could be due to stress that's causing your digestion to be not as great. Right. And then if your digestion's not as great or you're not sleeping as well, you, you know, that's when your body is supposed to be repairing. So therefore it's not repairing as well. Right. So all of these things um, are ultimately very connected and we just forget that they're connected because of the way we live life nowadays, especially in cities. I love that you use the word connected because I think if you go to different types of physical therapists and, and you know, I, I, again, I, I hate to sound like sometimes I don't want to sound like I'm putting certain types of physical therapists down, but the ones that we tend to deal with tend to be more progressive um, where, you know, there's, there's in trainer land, there's a fear that if you send someone to a physical therapist, they're going to tell them to stop training. Whereas most physical therapists like that are really sort of like staying on top of everything are aware that the last thing people should usually do is stop 
training that you need right. to sort of find out because usually an issue in your knee is probably because there's something going on in a connection somewhere else, whether it's your movement. Uh, for people that deal with a lot of pain more and more, even in just, you know, the physical therapy world and even in, in, in American medicine, we're finding that like a lot of that pain isn't necessarily due to the source of pain. It's a lot of it is psychological, right? Mm -hmm. It's the influences of our life on our body. So sometimes when I feel, you know, there's an occasion when people will talk negatively on, you know, Chinese medicine or Eastern medicine. And I think we're just starting to find out that that's all actually true. Um, mm -hmm. that how living in New York city is super stressful, right? If I go yeah. back into like, you know, trying to build up a career again, um, you know, having gone through my divorce, all that stuff, super stressful. So yeah. of course my body experienced a breakdown and that was like some pretty solid back trouble. And I know for a little while back when I was in advertising, I had like severe stomach issues and like in hindsight now I'm like, I know that was all stress. Yeah. And I think that was the surprising point going through acupuncture and, and even a greater surprising point as someone that got injured a lot through skateboarding, uh, just in any type of actually healing of the body, you have to look at the bigger picture, whether it's what your gait and Allen's doing, what's your posture doing, um, uh, you know, how stressed out are you? How happy, how angry are you? Are you sleeping? All of these things are connected. So I think that's like a really cool part where all of these overlap. So for, yeah. for, for coaches and, and enthusiasts that might be listening, please know like these are like, if your knee hurts, it's very rare uh, that the knee is the source of the issue. It's usually another part of your connection because we are all like a series of X's and whatnot um, that's causing that to aggravate you. And then your yeah. life stress on top of it might be there. Um, one of the things that I found fascinating from you was aside from the needles, and it is also, uh, you know, how you place the herbs in the plasters. Like I know one of the things that have done wonders for me on certain types of things were like the 701 plasters. And, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Those are our favorite. They're, they're um, awesome. <laughs> I used to travel with a tin of that. I sometimes still do with a tin of that and, and be the reeky guy, you know, just smelling of that, like whatever it is. Uh, folks, if you're not familiar with the, what a plaster is, it, it, it's kind of like, um, it's almost like, I'm going to just say it. It's almost like as if you were going to put that tape on, like you were going to get waxed, but it, it but it's actually got like herbs and stuff in it. it it's what's the popular it's one. Like, it's like a medicated patch. So oftentimes people will like tiger balm makes yes. them or um, there's ones that you can get. Solanopos, right? Yes. Solana, that was Solanopos the one. Solanopos is a, is a popular one and you can get them in the drugstore, but the, the 701 or the Wuyang ones are like, the best ones they have the best herbs in it um they just work they're just a lot stronger than the ones that you'll get in the drugstore yeah, yeah. I, I love that stuff so in the in the schooling process learning how to use and apply this stuff where does it can where does that link up from the use of the of the plasters and the herbs with the needles because the needles things obviously seems like super uh, yeah super detail oriented obviously as it should be Right, right. But so, like, how does that how does that education does that work at the same time, or do we focus on needles first and then work on the plaster side of it? Right. So, well, when you think about so Chinese medicine is kind of like the larger picture, and then like acupuncture, herbs, tuina, which is the um, body work or um, physical manipulation, and qigong are kind of like the the branches of Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine is like the umbrella. So. You know, in its completeness, it's all of those things. Um, we mostly focus on studying acupuncture and Chinese herbs in school. Not everyone studies Chinese herbs, actually. Um, New York State only licenses people to do acupuncture, and Chinese herbs is just essentially unregulated. And so that's the reason why, schooling-wise, it's very much focused on acupuncture. Um, and then people get a separate license for... Um, massage, which would be like the Twena, the body work um, okay. section of it. So, you know, you some people learn a little both at the same time. Some people don't really learn too much about herbs in general. And in terms of things like plasters and topical like liniments, um, since you're not taking them internally, uh, most people just kind of learn as they go or kind of on their own about those things. Um, most people who are involved in martial arts like myself um, years ago, um, know so much about them. And even people who are not practitioners who are doing martial arts know so much about the liniments and the plasters because they just use it all the time. 
Now, why, why do you think it is, aside from obviously, you know, the heritage in certain types of martial arts, like was acupuncture like across the board in a ton of different martial arts, like th whether it's in Thai boxing or out of Japan or out of China? Because it does seem that martial artists are the first to gravitate towards this. And the yoga community seems like, I mean, I don't, and there's, you know, there's always a little bit of the, you know, the hippy dippy type of, you know, patchouli crystal folks like that I used to hear about, you know, like, at, you know, in college and stuff. But what is it that initial draw? Is it just that, that Asian heritage um, that brings yeah, it into martial arts? I think there's, there's definitely part of that, you know, because, because martial arts, Qigong and, and Tai Chi are a part of Chinese medicine in, in yeah. Chinese culture. So it, it's definitely, you know, a lot of Qigong practitioners will know acupuncture points because it's part of their practice. Um, it, they know the theory. If they don't know the, the channels or the meridians exactly or the points exactly, um, they'll know a lot about the theory because it's ingrained in what they're practicing as well. Um, so, and then of course the physical injury and how to treat the injuries that they're, um, you know, experiencing and things like that come into play. So in, in Chinese medicine and in Chinese culture, it's all, it's all related. It's all under the same thing. All right, yeah. cool. I, for those that might not know, John Duquesne, um, you know, founder of Dragon Door, head of, you know, now head of the RKC, basically Dragon Door started prior to the RKC as uh, based on him delivering information on Qigong. Like that's his main, one of his main practices and at yeah. the old RKCs during day three, we would have a morning recharge and it would be him leading us through a, a Qigong flow. Um, what's from, from a martial artist perspective, what are the sort of most common things people come to you for? Is there like a top three sort of most common issue people are seeing you for? Yeah. Um, lower back pain is across the board, whether in martial arts or not the most common thing. Um, New York City brings about a lot of neck pain, neck and shoulder pain that kind of come together um, across the board, whether they're doing martial arts or not. And then with martial arts, you know, you'll see both of those. Um, rotator cuff injuries. So any type of like kind of shoulder situation is something pretty common. And then with the lower back, you'll see a lot of hip stuff, hips, hip um, injuries and hip pain, piriformis syndrome, sciatica, that type of thing. Now, do you find that that's coming from, uh, you know, just overuse in terms of kicking and, you know, throwing knees and whatnot? Or is that just, uh, is it a technique type of thing? You know, where do you think most of those stem from? Yeah, I would say most of it has to do probably with posture and technique. Um, and then, you know, there's a small percentage of people who are doing it just like are injuring themselves just from trauma, like kicking someone's elbow or something like that or in competition. Yeah. Yeah. I know I think uh, a lot of my lower back trouble before I got in at like the heavier side of lifting, I just know like I had a really hard time like unwinding after my kicks. Like I know I, yeah. in hindsight now, knowing what I know about movement, I'm like, yeah, I was definitely using my lumbar spine yeah, yeah. to try to power through a roundhouse kick um, versus actually using my hip. Yeah. And then there's also like overtraining and overuse. So it's, you know, people can be throwing their punches correctly, but they're kind of just not resting or they do one or two that are off and then they just kind of keep going and going and, you know, they're not sure what they're doing wrong. They're not sure why it's not getting better, that kind of thing. For, so what would you suggest, um, whether it's a martial artist or anybody that's training, instead of having a basically, which I sadly always do, wait until something's bothering me, um, what would be like a good sort of using more consistent sort of schedule with you for somebody that's um, either a martial artist or just, I mean, it really is applies to every, any sort of physical activity. I mean, certainly any runner, any CrossFit person, any kettlebell aficionado, like, uh, you know, recovery should, you should have recovery strategies other than just sleep, um, other than just ice baths um, to come in for maintenance work right before yeah. it becomes a flare-up. What, what would you suggest as a good strategy or plan? Yeah, so if people are training for something specific like a race or a competition or a fight, um, they should be getting acupuncture weekly because they're probably using their bodies um, every day or five to six days a week, which is, which is a lot for an average person if you're not an, a professional athlete. Um, so once a week is always a good basis um, 
I, I think that is a good basis for anybody who lives in New York City just because of the envir environmental stress. But for people who are really using their bodies that much, probably once a week is going to be the best. Um, for those who are not training for a competition or anything specific like that, it's, it's really good to be conscious of when you're doing things that are more restorative and when you're taking time to rest. Because overtraining, I think, is just something that we will all go through a phase of trying to do. <laughs> yeah, I um, It's just it's, like our culture. We just want to keep doing more and more and more, and we feel like it'll be fine. I'll, I'll be okay later, you know? It's more fun to bust your ass training than it right. is to, you know try to spend some time in the restorative side of that. And right. you know, uh, a lot of times people's strategies for restorative work are overly aggressive. Yeah, uh, yeah. So then they should be. And I know I, that's something that I've had to come to grips with. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of people think, oh, if I just take a yoga class, that means I'm being restorative, right? If it's not a restorative yoga class, it's probably not necessarily being restorative. Um, a lot of the yoga classes out there right now, especially like hot yoga classes or, you know, they're very cardio based. They're pretty strenuous. Um, so not to say that they shouldn't be doing those classes. Those are great classes, but when you want rest and restoration, you actually have to just take rest <laughs> or, or take a straight up restorative yoga class. Because I find that um, a lot of people who have like shoulder or neck injuries, um, I actually just give them a bunch of restorative yoga postures to do to help maintain and to help prevent. You know, once they start getting out of that pain phase, it's like, how do they go back? How do you put your spine back in a neutral position when you've been putting it in a bad position? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. especially I'd say like if we, if, for anybody listening, if you're thinking about a, a fighter's stance, which is extremely asymmetrical and one side heavily dominant, you know, uh, there are uh, there are certain postural things and asymmetries that de develop on a strength level that things like yoga and acupuncture will help sort out to sort of end strength training to get you out of that. And in, in some of the populations that Emily's talking about, aside from just the day-to-day -day stress or sitting at a desk for 12 hours a day or nine hours a day is, you know, martial artists generally, especially, you know, one of the great things at Five Points Academy where we met is they have a big fight team. And mm -hmm. that means like they're doing road work, they're doing strength work, they're doing their Muay Thai practice, they're doing extra bag work. Um, there is a lot going on in addition to just actually the martial arts there's like hours yeah. and hours of training going on with that in addition to starting to like heavily monitor what you're eating and what you're drinking because you're gonna have to make weight on that and it is a grind and it's like something i've never really done i've cut weight for some strength tests at some certs and stuff but i was always sort of blown away by the discipline of the you know the folks over there um yeah. How does that help with, how does, have you found that the acupuncture helps with the weight cutting in any way? I've never even thought to ask that or recovery from that. Yeah, it, it definitely helps with, with in general, kind of like managing weight because acupuncture is going to help you with cravings. It's going to help you um, essentially get your body to digest it, digest food better, right? So if you're not digesting well, you're probably holding on to a lot of excess fluid, um, toxins. You are probably not absorbing the proper nutrients. And so maybe if you're not absorbing properly, your body's craving more stuff, right? Um, so it's this idea once the whole body's or the whole digestive system is in better balance, you will actually not crave weird things. You'll, you'll kind of want to eat normal amounts of food. Um, your body won't hold on to stuff. You know, the whole thing will work more smoothly and that in itself will help with the weight cut. Yeah. I know there's a certain type of like post session bliss, you, you know, you feel after an acupuncture session. Um, you know, there's this myth when you go for a massage that it's going to be like so relaxing. And then you go to an actual like good masseuse, sports masseuse. And it's like, it's worse than any image of needles going into your body could ever be. Like, it's just, you know, the most painful thing in acupuncture I found, especially if I think about that first time, the biggest thing I had to get over was not the fear of the needles. I got actually a little claustrophobic for a moment thinking mm -hmm. about like, uh, if you've ever seen those final destination movies where <laughs> they, 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 they cheat death and then death finds some rando way to catch up with them. 
I always had this like two fears that I was going to get like a gnarly itch or that somehow I was going to fall off the table. So if the needles were on my back, I would fall off the table onto my back and you know, that would be it. But folks, like it's super relaxing, actually. It's one of the few times that once the needles are in, you generally get left alone for a while that, uh, you sort of know and feel you're doing something right for your body. And in that you can find like this mental peace that you don't normally find in a, in a, in a, in a massage or in a chiropractor session. I'm saying everything serves purposes, but it's a totally different feel um, when you're yeah. done with that and that comfort level. Um, and again, it goes in with the whole ambiance and, and, and that you set up in the room with it too, that I've found coming out of acupuncture has a, a more longer term effect. Whereas I know I've had massages that like, I, I feel great. And then I put my backpack on cause I had, you know, I've been working all day and then I hop on the subway and I can't get, you know, it's a crowded subway and I start getting stressed and I feel like I just eradicated everything from the masseuse. I found I don't lose that, that sort of great feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly not immediately, but even just on, on a, on certain, like a number of days to weeks, yeah yeah do you find that to be true oh yeah definitely i mean the great the great thing about acupuncture is that for me what i want my patients to learn or to feel is that they learn something about themselves it's that going back to that idea of connections um sometimes it's not even something that you can verbalize what you learn about yourself right like how much time do we spend with ourselves really Um, so it's that idea that your body starts finding these connections with itself, whether it's through the acupuncture channels, whether it's like feeling the injury or the, um, the place that felt kind of like stuck moving out. Um, you know, you just learn something nonverbal and it's really similar to when in a yoga class, when you're in Shavasana at the end of the practice, you're just laying there on the yoga mat. You're just laying there by yourself in the room on the table right in an acupuncture session and it's it's really about processing it's it's your body's processing um whether it's something mental sometimes it is something mental right you kind of like get up and you're like oh you know you you think of all these like creative things um i see that a lot with patients um and that happens to me when i take a yoga class at the end of shavasana i like have all these ideas for some reason right so sometimes it's mental sometimes it's spiritual um, sometimes it's physical, like you you feel the energy moving around your body and connecting. Nice. I think that's a really important part. And, you know, when you get a massage, um, the massage therapist is with you the whole time. With acupuncture, you get that time away to, to allow yourself to be you, which is a big part of the healing process is trying to kind of reconcile who you are in the world and all the little worlds that you live in and who you are at the very core of yourself and how do you reconcile all of those different things? I know it's one of those rare moments where, you know, again, I tend to be coming in when I have like, basically I'll be like my shoulder, my shoulder blade hurts or my back hurts. Emily, when can you see me? Right. The folks, that's like basically how I I reach out to her when it's time. And Emily and I see each other every week, not for sessions, but you know, uh, for business and to catch up. And I know it's one of the rare things where you can go in feeling hurt, and stressed out about it, especially as a trainer, because you're like, shit, like, if I can't, if my back's bumming, it's like, this is going to suck for a work week. And then get so relaxed pretty quickly that you fall asleep within like five minutes of the needles being in. Like, yeah. it just really is a, a, your head goes into a different spot. Once you get that comfort level of this is happening if it's your first time, like, it's, I, I don't have any of those worries whatsoever anymore. Like, basically 10 minutes into the first session I ever had, I was like, oh, I'm just a sort of a believer. And mm-hmm. then afterwards feeling the results more long-term, especially with more consistent practice that I used to do back in the day. Um, it just felt great. You know, it's like helps to take some of the breaks off the body and the mind um, as opposed to just sort of treating a source of pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the yoga side of things. For Well, actually, before we go to the yoga, what would you think is like one of the biggest misconceptions of acupuncture like someone's coming in doesn't know you like someone reaching yeah. out for you for a session what do you think is the biggest misconception i actually think there are two and they're they're kind of like 
opposites of each other. So some people walk in and they think that acupuncture is this very medical thing. They're like, my back hurts. You put the things in my back and that's what's getting treated. Um, and they don't think of it as an energetic process. Like they don't think that it can help them with the stress part, the emotions. They can't, you know, that it helps with even treating trauma or sadness, depression. Um, and then the other misconception is that ac acupuncture is this weird mystical thing, right? So they're like opposites, right? Either people think it's like very medical or they think it's like a weird mystical thing. And it's kind of both. I mean, I would say the, the mystical thing is more probably having how, how people view things from Asia. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go too into that, but um. it's like uh, Doctor Strange or Kun Lun. Uh, yeah, like we won't go into fist. that part, but you know, it, it has roots in in this idea of Orientalism. But ultimately, it's Chinese medicine. It's still medicine, and it's still science based, even though it's Chinese science based, right? So sometimes people like view that as like it's not real because it's Chinese, and we live in the West. Um, so, you know, the idea that it is very, there's a very physical part to the medicine, but there's also a very energetic part, like how you were talking about, um, and I feel this too when I go see Paul, is that there's just like, you walk into the, his space and it's like a vacuum, yeah. right? You like totally forgot that you just got off the crazy street. <laughs> um, and and it, it's an experience in the space, right? So it's not just the actual treatment of the needles going into your skin. It's, that's not just where the healing happens. It happens in the relationship between the practitioner and the patient. And it happens in the room. The energy kind of comes off the body. Um, it comes off of my body as the practitioner into the, the patients, you know, and they interact. Um, so that's like a really huge part of the medicine that sometimes people miss because they are afraid of mysticism or whatever you want to call it or they don't want to think about spirituality and spirituality and energy um i don't know why people don't want to believe in energy <laughs> but sometimes people don't <laughs> well hey is there ever the opposite side of that where someone comes in so far on the other end of the spectrum where they expect to actually like levitate after a session where like they're just so into the idea of the mysticism and the background in it like is it ever counterproductive to to overbelieve in that yeah i, I mean sometimes and it's interesting because it's it's sometimes the people who are like total non-believers who want it to be magical because they have this pain and they just want it to go away like really quickly in a magical type of way um and and that's interesting too <laughs> um and, and the part about it is is that it's difficult because you know sometimes when the healing process is really quick. It feels like that, but it's really not. It's really not magical. And what I try to teach people is that acupuncture is all about your immune system and your natural ability to thrive as a human being and also as you, as whoever you are as a person. Um, and the acupuncture just helps you do that. So the magic is actually in the body. You know, it's science, it's it's physiology, um, it's biology. The magic is within you. The acupuncture just kind of helps it work better, right? Um, I'm glad you so. broke it out that way. I was actually gonna ask you to like sort of describe acupuncture for those, you know, I think everybody, what I would hope that comes out of this, aside from people getting to know you, is like a grander view of what acupuncture is as opposed to someone putting needles in a body. Yeah, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, people, they look for the quick fix and every once in a blue moon, it can be a quick fix, you know, but it, it is, it's a lot about you as the patient. Like how much are you able to thrive on your own? Right. And sometimes in the beginning, it's not a lot. You need to come in and you need to have the acupuncturist do things for you. And then at some point you start to feel better and you pick yourself up and you start to thrive on your own. And, and it, and it becomes, that's why it's a relationship. The whole, the whole journey is a relationship, you know? I, I love the that. Healing, yeah, I love the that healing sense. occurs in relationship. And you, and you feel that differently, per se, than like a normal doctor visit as well. Like, you know, yeah. even if you get to know your person sometimes, um, it feels more of a service than a relationship. And, and that idea helps a lot. Also, and the that, trust factor. Like, just, yeah. it's a totally different thing. 
Yeah. And I don't want to knock Western medicine at all because it, it is, it ends up being cultural, like the way um, medical doctors have, have to kind of run and how they work. Um, it, it becomes cult, the culture of the medicine. Right. And yeah. so it's, it's not that they're like not listening to you or not doing their jobs, but you know, there are certain other things that are just in play and the reason why they work the way they do, you know, awesome. for us, it's a little looser um, because acupuncture is not, or Chinese medicine is not as, you know, doesn't have as strong roots in the U.S. Yeah. Well said. But it's starting to, which is great. Yeah, it definitely seems to. You know, I know when I'm over at, at Catalyst, I'm seeing, you know, more and more people studying for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely see an uptick in the belief and use of it. Um probably in that order because people are trying to learn how to use it more appropriately because they've through their own treatments have found mm-hmm. a belief in it and yeah. something certainly that like fascinates me um again which is i'm stoked to have you on here and it's funny you're talking about environment i can loosely lightly hear the music in the background of your office like <laughs> i know it's not your office and it it's it almost sounds like the old incredible hulk tv show music like dun, 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 dun. it's not it's all cool leave it on but i'm like reminding me of the incredible hulk tv show um now let's go on to the yoga for, uh, practice for a moment because one of the things one of the sayings that i hear a lot and i sometimes say this is that most strength people that focus more on strength um could use more yoga in their lives and a lot of the times you get a lot of hypermobile yoga practitioners, um, instructors from hours of being in positions that have created some laxity in the joint, you know, mm-hmm. the soft tissue in the joints, um, that could use some strength training. What are your thoughts in terms of how those should interact with each other? Since I clearly, I'm not going to, nobody's going to come to me for yoga. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I think it should just be a conscious practice in that, like, I mean, I definitely do a lot more yoga than strength training, but the yoga practice that I've, kind of, or whatever has become my yoga practice nowadays is a lot more about making myself stronger, but not in a weightlifting kind of stronger way, but just like stronger to hold up my body and my posture properly. Um, And the idea too, that I kind of think about with yoga and with physical um, exercise is that I want to strengthen my body so that I can lengthen the muscles, right? So if you just do one, if you just strengthen and you just try to stretch and lengthen, um, you're, you're always going to be missing the other side of it. There always has to be that opposing side. So you should strengthen to lengthen and also lengthen so that you can strengthen, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying with that one. How, with, with all of the different types of yoga, could you do like a, a, I don't, you know, not a, a thorough description of it, but for, for someone that's looking like your type, someone that's looking for more of yeah. a strength-based, um, what, what would be a, where should they look for that? It's hard to say because I'm not a well-studied yogi in that, like, I don't know who, who the big yogis are and I have not studied so many different types of yoga. I've kind You're of the had big my... yogi on this podcast, <laughs> damn it. I just have my own personal journey with it. Um, and, and that's kind of what I give to my students and what I give in my classes. And, um, you know, in New York, you see a lot of vinyasa yoga, which, which can vary because it just means flow. Um, some of the, most of those classes are probably faster paced and a little more like classes where you'll sweat in and you do a lot of, um, arm balancing and, um, you know, it's just a faster pace. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. when I teach, I teach way slower. Um, I'm more concerned with joint mobility and also strengthening around that and lengthening the posture in general. Um, when I guess I developed this, this kind of idea as I taught because I started realizing that yeah, I can have people go through these postures really quickly and kind of try to make them look really pretty, but ultimately like how do I how do I sustain the body so that so that we can all keep doing yoga until we're like old, right? Yeah. Um and that that's what I focus on. Um just kind of maintaining the body and keeping it strong and keeping it healthy. Um doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter what the pose looks like, doesn't matter if you can balance on your you know, do a handstand or do crazy cool looking arm balances. 
Um, we just want to be strong and be able to sit up and stand up and walk. Yeah, I mean, when, when we did it together, I remember being incredibly humbled by, <laughs> by what you had me going through, both in a level of my own, you know, mobility and flexibility, but also just in like, uh, it's a very different thing when you're in that sort of, uh, it's almost like building postural endurance, right? Like to some mm-hmm. degree for the long haul. And, in, in, you know, it relates a little bit in, in DVRT ultimate sandbag training. One of the things that we'll talk about in certain moves, like uh, a, a USB good morning is the importance over lower back endurance versus lower back maximal strength like what's going to help somebody in their daily life and activities is maximal strength of the lower back it's going to be lower back endurance right right the things where though i don't practice yoga so much i think i get certain aspects of that through the original strength stuff but when people ask me about yoga that's I think the version in my head Mm -hmm. that I'm sending them to versus, you know, certain courses I teach or attend, you'll get a lot of, well, uh, this isn't meant to be disparaging any yogis out there, but you'll get a lot. Well, my yoga teacher wants me to breathe a different way. You know, my Mm -hmm. yoga instructor says to do this a different way. And I think everybody, as long as they have a why, you can only focus your movement in one type of why. Right. Like if it serves a point for this purpose and it serves a point for this purpose, yes. it's just being more malleable. I think one of the things that the, the, the battle sometimes hits is this idea of like you can only be really into yoga or like say really into kettlebells. Right. Like in a lot of ways, they're both super, uh, they could be very, uh, I don't want to say codependent, uh, collaborative, right? They can mm-hmm. be very collaborative with each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I can see that, that, kind of conflict with the breathing because in my yoga class, I don't focus a lot on yoga breathing, but I try to get people to breathe really um, well and normally and um, relaxed. And every once in a while, people will kind of go into a yoga pose and use that kind of like that, that kettlebell breath where they're like trying to like get that last lift yep. <laughs> and they do that breath. And I'm like, no, 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 we don't do that in this class. We want to just breathe normal. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, and, and there's a, you know, there's a purpose for it, but in yoga, there isn't a purpose for that breath. We want a more relaxed breath, right? Cause you're not muscling through a pose cause you're not holding a weight. You're just using your own body weight. Yeah, you're not trying to hard style through life. That that happens right. in uh, in the original strength stuff. It's like when you're crawl, <laughs> you know, when we do crawling, people will crawl to where they start to go into high tension strategies, both creating tension and in their breathing. And it's like exactly you never see like a you know a nine month old baby crawling hard style, <laughs> right? Like they just breathe. right, right, yeah. So it's finding that balance, which I think exactly. is like a, a, you know a, the longer that I've been a trainer, and it is this idea that I think what you're saying and, and from an OSE perspective is it's more reflexive in nature than tension-based. Right. Right. Because right. movement is reflexive. You create strength. You, you want to perform a movement. You have to have the range of motion to be able to perform the movement and the body should react based on what you're trying to do um, yeah. without overthinking about it versus a high tension strategy. Like I'm going to go pull a bar off the floor. Exactly. Exactly. It's hard in a fitness environment though. Cause let's, I, I, you know, the way you mentioned some of the more cardio feeling, um, yoga classes, people, a lot of times people love it. Dictate, people love that stuff. They dictate their success in sweat and strain, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to like, how good do they feel at the end? Truly yeah. physically good, not like mentally good because they feel like they kick their ass. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I definitely have practiced that type of yoga and again, not to knock it because I, I do think that it's pretty great. Um, probably not to do that seven days a week (laughs) for most people. Right. And that's the thing too, is to realize like that all of our bodies are so different and our constitutions are different, not just our physical constitutions, our constitutions of our personalities, right. It's so different. It's not meant, not one thing is meant for every single person. You know, we all have to find the variety and the balance that works for us. And how do we do that if we're kind of trying to compete with each other or being like, oh, well, this person does this, this, and this, and, you know, they lost a lot of weight doing all those things. And I want to try to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, it comes down to like what, what, you know, Dan John would say, strength coach Dan John would say, it's like everything will work for a certain amount of time, right? right? Like everything will work for six weeks for the most part. Any new stimulus, as long as you're diligent on it, will likely work for six weeks. Then after that, it becomes, will you get hurt by it? Or will you be able to sustain it? 
right? Mm-hmm. Those are usually the first two things. Like something can be, you can love getting crushed at a boot camp, but if that boot camp is not run or programmed in a safe fashion, and let's face it, lots aren't, mm-hmm. um, your risk for injury rises. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, injuries can happen in every type of training of ever, folks. It's like if you do something active, there's a chance, there's always going to be a risk and some sort of a likelihood that something will go slightly off and, and you know, you can tweak something or get hurt. Like you could also walk out the street, hop in your car and get your soul crushed that way too. Right. So it's like, we're trying to play the odds on safety and stuff, but it is that, that feeling of uh, finding the right thing for us versus as an individual versus the right thing for the world. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I know as coaches, we start to like, so if I'm, if I, you know, I know I used to have a lot more barbell lifting in my program because I really liked the big lifts. And then, you know, as I got more experience, I'm like, you know what, those lifts really aren't necessary for somebody to have a, a solid baseline. You yeah. know, and I, I still do certain ones. I'm not discounting it, but it's like, what's right for that person in their goal? What is their interest? Now, right. you know, uh, finding that line. And I think yoga tends to just like, kettlebell people can be and just like crossfit people can be it can be culty in that way yeah. of like, well, this is what i do just like runners too right like runners yeah. it's like we all fly these flags of like this is the thing um we had a a, a ninja come in for her first sort of orientation and uh slightly older woman and she was like you know looking to make some nutrition changes and somebody very young and new was like oh you should go keto Right. For those that don't know yeah. what keto is, it's like high fat, you know, moderate protein, um, basically zero carbs. So your body starts over time to, to burn off of, of uh, fat versus carbs like we, we normally do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you can't say that necessarily that it worked for you right. at your age and be with your training history, uh, you know, compared to somebody who is looking at just like actually drinking water and walking more is going to be a really <laughs> productive right. step. And it's like removing ourselves from that. So as trainers, it's like, what do we yeah. love as enthusiasts? What's worked for us that we want to spread that glory where it's like everything will work, but we have to find what's right for the person and also be careful about being the helpful expert. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's like a weird line. And I know I try to yeah. watch out for that sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I think that it, it's with every, with every kind of like practice or idea or diet, it all comes back to, to you as a person. And, and that's the reason why I love Chinese medicine is that it, it is really about considering you as, a, as your core being versus you that exists in this world right? It's like, yeah. okay, I exist in this world, in this society, and I see all these people doing these type of exercises and doing these kinds of diets, but what's right for me? You know, like, how do yeah. you compare yourself and, and how do you check in with yourself? Um, and I think that's a big thing when it comes to like doing the wrong diet or injuring yourself in a boot camp class, right? It's, it's easy to blame the person who told you to do that diet or the class, but ultimately how much are you not listening to yourself, right? And that's that, that yeah. part of acupuncture where you lay on the table and you listen to yourself. And we don't ever really do that, you know? Like yeah, it savasana. is meditative. Yeah, yeah. it is meditative. Yeah, in a yoga class, when, when people actually do sit down and fully go into meditation, um, you know, those are the times when we kind of are with ourselves and we figure out what, what it, what's intuitive because there's so many things in modern life that teaches us to not be intuitive doesn't that suck it's so funny how culturally (laughs) culturally and it's weird decisions right like it's 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 if you go down the timelines of how certain things like even just how schools were structured basically to breed factory workers like it's just a it's a weird thing how so much of what we consider day-to-day common life Mm-hmm. was not created to really work within what we do right now. And I think that's maybe why to some end politically and environmentally, everything is so volatile right now because mm-hmm. we're becoming educated with access to enough information to be like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, like I, I remember uh, Dr. Ed Thomas is this brilliant um, coach, uh, physical historian is probably a better term. And he, I was at a course assisting him and, and he talked about how the design of desks at schools immediately starts destroying essentially the pelvis and back posture of kids 
And it's like they weren't designed with any of that in mind. They were designed just to be like, sort of like, here they are, put them there. All the angles are off. And then you're like, crap, like I can't get my kids, um, you know, a a better desk just, you know, at the school. (laughs) And I know right now my daughter has this massive backpack in her Mm. school. You know, when we went through, I mean, I'm older than you by by a bunch, but, you know, uh, there's no five subject notebook there's no trapper keeper like all their classes they want individual composition notebooks on top of the mm. textbook so her back backpack is full of stuff and there's no locker oh wow and you know some parent i heard there was a mom saying like oh you know they, they had the wheelie one my kid had a wheelie one but i want her to get strong i'm like that's not really strength training you know <laughs> like that's not really what you want having pulling on your shoulders on your spine at a young age for like eight years of your life yeah. you know um and it's those decisions that culturally, I think it's interesting how when we really look back and rethink things, there's a lot going on that is so much deeper because things have become the norm without our awareness or, or even relevance anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one, the one thing I think about the most is what, the, how much intuition is kind of lost in our culture is the way we check the weather. how many people just pick up this phone right next to your bed when you get up and you're like what's the weather and then you look at the weather app instead of looking out your window yeah it's true i like is it raining i can't tell i'm hating you right now because that's (laughs) let me check my phone to see if it's raining (laughs) that's what i do i'm I'm totally that guy i'm gonna look out the window more often um before holy this has actually gone very quickly now somewhere in one of my apartments post split before Kim and I got married, I have one of your Donnie Yen DVDs. No way. I think so. I'm forgetting which one it was, but somewhere <laughs> I, know, I don't I don't think I returned it. What's the wolf one? The um, wolf one. Wasn't it like a wolf? I'm gonna I'm gonna IMDB it right now. Um but you know, for those into martial arts movies, Donnie Yen is somebody that is finally getting the glory he deserves from being in uh, Rogue One, right? I'm the force, <laughs> the force is with me. And if you were just into, already into martial arts movies, certainly uh, Ip Man is one of his biggest ones. I believe Once Upon a Time in China 2 or Iron Monkey were my first uh, movies that I've seen him in. And I'm looking up right now. I'm, I'm going to find this movie. What'd you give me? Um, wasn't Legend of the Fist, although that one's awesome. I feel like it was the... Um, Legend of the Wolf. Yeah. It was Legend of really? the Wolf. Yeah. I, think I don't even remember watching that movie. Somewhere I sure? have it because I, maybe. I think that was it. I could be wrong. Maybe I got that in Chinatown. But I think you gave me that one. Because I know you gave me one, and I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't, it wasn't Hero or Blade of Kings. But Donnie Yen has been, like, one of those guys. So that was another reason when, like, somebody hands me a Donnie Yen movie or a reference, I'm, like, stoked. What's your favorite martial arts movie of all time? That's a hard question. Favorite of all time. That one is really hard. Um, it's interesting because I don't always view martial arts movies as martial arts movies. I view them as like Chinese movies, yeah. which mixes in a lot of other movies that are definitely not martial arts movies. This is true. This is true. <laughs> um, you know, as of recently, definitely the first Ip Man was a, was a great movie. I love that one. Yeah. Um, trying to think a lot of the other ones i think that i've seen are not necessarily called martial arts movies hero was a great one that one came out oh yeah as well it was pretty popular here yeah jet lee yeah yeah i so did you get to go before they all shut down to a lot of like the actual uh kung fu movie screenings like that used to be in chinatown there used to be a number of theaters in chinatown that you could actually go see like a double feature at and, uh, no, I never went. I never went. I they used to show a lot of them, kind of in in these the small theaters in the East Village. Yeah, and they used to do um, an Asian American um, film festival, which now I think they they still do it in Lincoln Center, but they're not. Again, they're not all martial arts movies. Yeah, Cinema Village. Yeah. I think it was the Cinema Village or the Quad used to do. Mm-hmm. Like a, yeah, they used to do festival. a lot of them. 
that I would like me and my friend Evan would like park out at that. I actually was coming out of film school at that time and tried to get a job with them. It was the one time I met Chow Yun Fat. He was like a special guest. Um, but there used to be a theater on Hester in Bowery called the uh, Music Palace that would play double features. And it was like this massive thing. I think it's a Wyndham Hotel now, which is kind Oh, of, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. That place. Yeah, and then the Buddhist, the, the Buddhist temple right before mm-hmm. the you know, um, Manhattan the Bridge from them. Mm-hmm. used to be a theater as well. And I accidentally saw my first porn in a theater going to see <laughs> a, uh, a Sammo Hung Yeonbyu movie. <laughs> it was a double feature. I couldn't read what was coming up. I got there 10 minutes early before the Sammo Hung movie came in. Uh, Hung, no pun intended, like it's a guy. He's an it man too. Um, in a bunch of Jackie Chan's greatest movies. But I went in and I like sat down and I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> it's the worst porn ever. Um, I'm in a theater with like literally like five, you know, creepy dudes, five creepy Chinese dudes lurking. Um, and then there used to be another one under the Manhattan Bridge, um, in that little mall section. As you oh, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the and East Broadway. You know, Domel. We saw uh, Once Upon a Time in China four there, and it was like plastic seats, cement floor, like not sealed, and we froze our asses off watching. Yeah, that one. it was like a, a like a warehouse almost. Yeah, yeah it, was it was like so, concrete. So cold, and and unfortunately not a great once upon a time in china movie um (laughs) you know i I, i'll say i'll go with it's not my favorite movie of all time but it had a huge impact on me because i saw it at the film forum they played once upon a time in china 2 um and they had a a a great print of it and i remember just it was the first time i saw like a beautifully shot like really truly beautifully shot cinematic martial arts film where they had a lot of the crazy wire work but it was edited just so well that it kind of blew my mind in a different fashion than like jackie chan's my hero like yeah jackie chan in many ways is like has had a massive influence on me but i remember just being blown away by where martial arts and films had come at the time and it's crazy to think that was like 1995 i think that came out in like 93 um anyway go look up your donnie yen jet lee Jackie Chan movies <laughs> now. Uh, all right, so we're going to wrap this up. Emily, is there anything, uh, where can the people find you, um, get information about you, uh, is anything coming up, any events or special classes? Let, let them all know. Yeah, so I'm easily found on social media. I'm Emily Grace Acupuncture on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, I have a Twitter account that I don't really use too much, but you can easily look me up, emilygraceacupuncture.com or Instagram, Emily grace acupuncture um anything coming up so in january next year i'll i'm going to start doing these small workshops for women i'm calling them women's circles they're uh really kind of intimate gatherings where we kind of educate each other um they can range from anything about health and wellness skincare, that type of thing um so they're they're not really classes but they're kind of shared spaces Um, And we will just kind of hang out, learn a little bit from each other, but also um, kind of network and just connect with other like-minded women. Um, So if people are interested in that, they can definitely get in contact with me. Awesome. And uh, Emily and I, down the line in January as well, we have to iron out the details, are actually going to be offering packages of services together. So you get the strength training with the recovery um, to help be accountable on both sides. So that's something we're going to do. Stay tuned for info on that. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you're a really cool investor that want to help us open a spot, uh, just <laughs> in this stuff. But you got to be really cool because if we don't dig you, uh, we're not going to do it. But uh, and you have to like dogs. And you have to like dogs. But uh, Emily, and I already sort of have like uh you know potential systems in place so uh if you've got that type of deal uh and are not an asshole reach out to us <laughs> <laughs> and we'll make that happen uh Emily can you tell uh the listeners to die mighty die mighty all right thank you everybody <laughs> you did it Emily that's awesome uh, <laughs> all right Again, this is a really cool one because Emily is one of like, you know, when people open businesses, I've, I can't tell you how many like countless times I've heard that, you know, like there's that one partner that like just sucks, you know, so it's like three people sign up, two are cool with each other, one sucks. Um, 
or there's just a clash and just i just love emily and trust her so much and, and value and respect her abilities that it, she's she's really like the person out there um so one, day out. one day soon uh, one day one day soon <laughs> so one day to help this happen, visit patreon.com slash coach fury podcast uh, to make a donation to the coach fury podcast. And that donation may or may not go directly to Emily and I trying to open up a shop. Uh, also visit coachfury.com for any information on personal training, online training, uh, anything of that fashion if you want to host a course you can find info there um check out what's coming up i'm already it's kind of crazy i just put on my my erase board like i've already got uh something every month coming up uh except for april into june right now uh for next year it's, it's crazy and uh right after this comes out so folks you're gonna get emily's episode 13 and episode 14 on the same day because the following week after you listen to this i'm going to be in japan and last time i was there the wi-fi was not strong enough to potentially upload videos or audio of those files so um stay tuned for that are you trying to show me your dog yeah <laughs> oh my gosh uh it's her ear can't see how cute this is by listening to it so i'm gonna paint you a picture <laughs> i'm kidding uh so folks thank you for listening uh hold on to the next episode either binge listen or wait a week so it doesn't feel like i left you out for a week but that's why you're getting two on the same day thank you emily for coming on and as always thanks to the ftw for the metal music thanks to glenn urietta for the for the artwork the awesome drawings and for ridge carpenter for drawing the die mighty logo uh stay tuned keep listening and I'll tell you all about Japan when I get back. Thanks, everyone. Take care. The Coach Fury podcast is created, owned, and produced by yours truly, Steve, Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the ftw.nyc.com for band, album, tour, and merchandise information. And the artwork is created by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or on Instagram, at Glenn Urieta. Thanks, everyone.